gentlemen, welcome to wrestling art with Chris Things. Episode 7 of Wrestling Art with Chris Things. I am Chris Things, once again your host this week and every week, and this is our weekly match of the week edition of the show, where I do an art. I, I mean, I, first I, I watch a match, uh, and then I apparently, uh, if I dig it enough, it becomes what I deem my match of the week. Uh, at such point, I uh, I make an art of it, and then we we do this podcast where we talk about it. Uh, so that match for this week is a, a bloody doozy, uh, beautifully bizarre match, a meeting point of uh, all Japan Kings Road and uh, Enochism and all of the great uh, Pride FC kind of thing. I have. Uh, Don Fry <laughs> challenging Toshiaki Kawada for the Triple Crown, which I was just so bloody enthused about. But more about that later, and I'll have a, a special guest on the show to chat about that one. Uh, but uh, to start with, I, I thought I'd uh, jump into this, this little, you know, letting you know what I got going on thing again that I did last week. Um, so this, this week is probably a good one because I I had, uh, something quite significant happen over the weekend. Um, as a, as a Brisbane based artist, um, just as a bit of background, um, thus far in my arts career, I've, I've primarily, um, you know, doing commissions, um, group art shows, solo art shows, uh, all that kind of stuff. I've never really done many in-person events before, like your expo events, art markets, that kind of stuff. Um, you know, I kind of honestly thought like my art with the sort of weird wrestling culty kind of niche might not necessarily appeal to the masses in that sense. So I haven't really done that kind of thing. But then an expo came along that I thought, hey, this this might be relevant. It's called the um, the Oddities and Curiosities Expo. Now this is actually a, a worldwide expo. I think mainly based in America, but this was the first time coming to Australia. Um, and I thought, hey, oddities, curiosities, so that's kind of up my alley. You know, that's a my uh, my Hulk's kind of like a a celebration of uh, general oddities. Um, and, and weirdness. So, yeah, I thought I'll throw my hat in the ring. We'll see how it goes. Um, but so this past weekend, uh, that, that was the event at the, the Brisbane Convention Centre. I had my first ever in-person expo event where I'm, I'm sitting at a, at a stand and um, I was going to be talking to a whole bunch of people about my art, selling my art, that whole kind of thing. Um, but, man, now that it's, it's done, I I just want to tell everyone that it was... A bloody incredible experience. It 
honestly like blew me away and and blew away my expectations as well to be honest um so I, I think I spoke last week it was quite a bit to kind of prepare uh for this event and and lining up all of the, the different things but I got all that done bit of an update there I mentioned the table runner last week potentially maybe being mixed with uh with some sort of milk or ice cream remnants um and a, and a fear that my stand was going to smell like curdled milk crisis averted everything was okay there um but man i i just really want to say that it was it was just fantastic um the amount of of interesting cool people that i got to to have great conversations with um now obviously also the amount of people that like supported and and bought things um and and it just kept going like the saturday was was just insane but yeah it was it was just amazing and and i want to say a huge huge thank you to everyone that came along everyone that stopped by everyone that had a chat and everyone that like you know supported this in a, in a financial sense I'm, I'm truly truly grateful um you know if any of you guys happen to be listening here uh welcome welcome to the show it was awesome to see you um but yeah i i just honestly want to say that it meant so much to me um because i you know despite having these kind of um uh you know bar solo shows and that kind of stuff like they're cool and and sometimes i do get to have a bit of a uh you know chat with different um people about my work there in those kind of environments but nothing like this where honestly i was seeing like thousands of people um come in come past check out my stuff and and i'm seeing them in front of my eyes like them looking at my art and and seeing their kind of judgment (laughs) in a sense like seeing um you know their reaction before my eyes you know i'm trying to to be chill and just you know go about my my business or whatever be be welcoming and everything like that but um it was so interesting to see people's reactions to looking at different stuff you know um but more than that you know just the uh, amount uh, it was so touching um hearing the amount of of lovely things of of what people were saying about my work um and you know what they liked about it how it appealed to them be that like the 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 subject matter and the the interest kind of thing or or more just my my general style um and my colors and and uh brushwork and line work and things like that um it, it was honestly amazing uh and and kind of overwhelming to to hear and i i just wanted to make sure to talk about that you know because this kind of thing it it's inspiring honestly so it, it inspired me to you know obviously i was going to continue doing this this thing anyway but it it gave me a little bit more juice you know a bit more sustenance to keep it on going um because i you know i I was kind of shocked at how many people dug my stuff i guess and and i I don't say that to like toot my own horn in any sense (laughs) you know i definitely don't want to be like a a big head kind of any gross things like that um if anything, I think a lot of the time I'm actually the opposite and I can be very critical of myself and of my work. Um, so just getting to hear those kind of, um, 
of, of, of compliments and, and hearing that, you know, people did dig it and, and seeing people dig it in like a real sense before my eyes. Um, yeah, it, it was super nice and, and heartwarming. Um, and yeah, I made me bloody, I want to go out and do a heck of a lot more of these in-person events. I'll tell you that. So I think 2024 is going to be a big one for that. Um, I got some exciting stuff to share for you all in the near future of some some cool things that I put together specifically for this show um, that I'll then be able to you know add to my website and, and make available to, to you all. Um, but yeah, I, I just want to say bloody what a special experience and, and I really like just talking to people and interacting and that kind of thing. I, it was kind of a surprise to me how... Um, just how 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 nice and how refreshing and and how uh touching that that whole process can be but uh enough of that um that was a big thing for me for this weekend uh i'll i'll you know keep you all informed on on more significant developments with the art things uh but yeah that's that's a little update for chris things uh for for this week but yeah exciting stuff in the works i'll say that but uh let's let's throw on to our special guest and talk about our match of the week here we go Ladies and gentlemen, I have a, a gentleman on the line that I'm very excited to chat to, uh, a man who is one half of, I would say, the leading New Japan Pro Wrestling English Language podcast going. Uh, he is a very knowledgeable gentleman and a guy who I uh, particularly have a lot of respect for his uh, knowledge and appreciation for the history of shoot style professional wrestling. Just going to put that out there. Uh, but without <laughs> any further ado, please so welcome to the show, the young boy, Josh Smith. Uh, hey, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> what, what an intro. Um, the thing that you have left out was as soon as we got on Skype, for some reason, the camera was <laughs> centered on your dick. I don't know why. <laughs> I mean, I was wearing underwear. Like, we just want to put that out there. I mean, no pants, to be fair. <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, we haven't talked in so long. It's so good to hear from you. Yeah, dude. I'm, I'm digging the mustache. Oh, yeah, yeah. My girlfriend, uh, she, uh, you know, a couple months back, I, I started, I wasn't trying to grow a beard per se. I just wasn't shaving Mm -hmm. And it wasn't looking so good. And she was like, well, you know, that part's pretty good. The rest is pretty crappy. Why don't you just nix that and keep that? And I was like, all right. So, you know, I've been I've been rocking it for a bit now. And, uh, you know, I think it looks OK. Yeah, dig it, man. That's 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 nice. My uh, my significant other has a, a disdain for my um, just solo mustache. Uh, <laughs> I, I still had it when we first met. And then it was one of those things where it's like, you know, you don't want to like change someone too fast. 
you know, when you first having met them. Um, so I think she like bear with it for a bit of a while. And then I, I sometimes, <laughs> you know, the beard just grows back out of laziness and she made sure to like, give me the most amount of compliments to be like, Oh, you look so much better with that beard. <laughs> <laughs> did you, um, did you recently trim down the beard? Yeah, um, I I don't think it got quite as out of control as uh, probably the last time you saw me um, where uh, on my my last regrow. So it, it hasn't been too nuts, but yeah, it's it's been semi maintained, which which feels weird for me. Yeah, I saw a photo and I was like, man, he's got it groomed down. That's a uh, you know not quite the Bruiser Brody look I'm used to, <laughs> but uh, you know very very El Guapo, if I may say. Oh, thank you, thank you, hundred percent Guapo. <laughs> oh, you missed um, you missed it, man. During the pandemic, I had hair all the way down to my mid back. Yeah, I saw some pictures where it looked like you were you were growing the hair out. I didn't know it got that long. Yeah, it was pretty long. <laughs> um, but yeah, my girlfriend was like, "Never again." It looked terrible. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, you're, you're looking pretty guapo with the with the um, nicely groomed hair, the short hair. I think it works for you. Yeah. Yeah, nice man. Um, yeah, so you were like outside of the podcast stuff. Are you still wrestling? I'm not currently wrestling. Um, I do plan to go back to training here in the near future. Hopefully, mm-hmm. I've been uh still like hitting the gym and just trying to improve my physical fitness. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've been focusing more on my like shoot career. Ooh. <laughs> um, yeah, trying to shore up that sort of thing. And uh, it, it became un- untenable to balance, you know, taking bumps and studying for tests all at the same time. So, you know, maybe once I finish all my testing for my uh, financial career, I-, I might be able to go back. But I don't know what the state of the school. I, I was training at Matt, Matt Seidel's school. Yeah. And I-, I know Matt's still training, but I think he's working alongside Jay Lethal at his school. And most of my training partners that were like, uh, uh, you know, like more seasoned, they've all kind of gone on to, to do other things in the wrestling world. Um, so I don't think there's technically a school for me to go back to like there was before. Right. So is the, is Jay's one still based in Florida? It is. I've never been there. I, I have friends that have trained there. Um, but I, you know, I, I, without saying too much, I I think it's a, kind of ran differently than what I'm used to as far as like Matt's approach and uh, that sort of thing. So hoping to work with Matt again in the future, but we'll see. Yeah. Cool, man. Um, it, it is such a hard thing to juggle. Like it really seems like um, at least from my days doing it, you have to be, I mean, and that's obviously very different, like fucking the world of Australian wrestling, but mm-hmm. even, even doing that, you have to like commit, kind of like everything to do it well kind of thing or um it's it's just such a hard thing to try to juggle with like real life too so i definitely get that i mean for me like personally with this art stuff this i was only able to do this after hanging up the boots you know like when i was still mm. wrestling i just like you know it was it's work and then um wrestling and and it was just they were the only two things i had time for you know so um then after finishing that, that's only how I was able to kind of like, oh man, I used to love doing this art thing. So why don't I transfer the passion from, uh, you know, the actual wrestling into making art and, and mostly 
uh, of wrestling, as it funnily enough <laughs> ended up. But um, yeah, yeah, it's, it's definitely hard to juggle. But and and then the same thing then happened again with the art stuff and work. So then that's where I finally had like a big, um, you know, tricky kind of like decision to make of like that that jumping off platform of going from like the shoot job into like the passion job kind of thing. So I was working in like marketing and then I ended up sort of, yeah, making a big decision. Like, you know what? I'm going to try going all in on this like art shit. So, yeah. Well, well, well now you're on uh you're back on the social suplex podcast network. So mm-hmm. that's going to supplement the big bucks roll in here, you know? Oh yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> we actually, um, we actually do have some some money coming in, but it's nothing crazy. I I'll have to go over those numbers here in the next few days, and you know, get you guys paid. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right, man. Everything counts. I always said from the old um, grown men watch this shit podcast. I think the the coolest thing I ever got out of it was that that sweet um, ball shaver sponsorship that we had. Where we got oh yeah. That. <laughs> the free uh packs that was that was rad i was like man my um <laughs> my uh my man what what is it? the lawnmower 3.0 my yeah, uh yeah. one of the the attachment broke off so I, I hit them up and i was like can you guys send me a new one and they're like they were trying to sell me stuff and i'm like dude you guys gave this to me as a as a podcaster just i just need the little attachment just send me a, a replacement then mm. they did <laughs> oh, nice, nice. Yeah, I went went through a few of the replacement uh, razors through it, so it's it's been good. I still use that like fancy leather bag that they gave us. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> the perks of podcasting, ladies and gentlemen. It's just fucking rad. Um, but yeah, dude, I've, I've actually had a really fun time getting back into the the podcasting kind of thing. It was weird, <clears> like <throat> kind of with the grown men. Watch this shit podcast. It just kind of like organically dropped off, I guess, and kind of COVID. I think was a big part of it because I think yeah, you know, there was like a lot less wrestling going on, and I think everyone was kind of like just bummed out and and in a sort of depressed slump for the most part during that time. So I just kind of like organically came to a stop, and then I was like, man, I really miss doing this thing, and I was like, what could I do that's like new and maybe more um me i guess and then yeah. i tried the idea for this uh wrestling art one but it's been super fun well, so far i've been enjoying this show i've been enjoying the work that you've been putting out i will tell you though as a mm-hmm. fan of the grown men watch this shit uh podcast there are two bits that i miss oh. that uh i think uh, i have they... i can i can i'm thinking i know what you're gonna say but please go on <laughs> the first one is um david arquette watch or david arquette <laughs> alert <laughs> yes there'd be like a siren that came on <laughs> this was the only part just for our, our listeners that may not be caught up for this we had a, a good run where we were just so fascinated with david arquette's return to the wrestling scene um that we covered this like hawks um and and every time there was something happening with david arquette well, then it became just a thing on every episode where even if there wasn't something happening, we'd like kind of, I don't know, say that. I remember wasn't what it happening. was now. You guys would be like, beep, 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 beep. <laughs> that was it. So much love for David Arquette. The one, my one regret with the podcast is that we were never able to get um, David Arquette on the show. But, you, you know, we got RJ City. RJ City on. You could have easily gotten David, but uh, yeah. 
the other thing um is old news <laughs> what what even was that i can't even remember you, you guys only did it for like two weeks but you guys would start talking about shit that was like really old and you're like this is news that's old old news <laughs> Man, the amount of nonsense that we did on that podcast. So much fun. I mean, that, and that still continues to this day. Um, and also, um, you know, I'm doing this kind of revolving door thing for these Match of the Week's ep- Week episodes. So super stoked to have you on. But um, looking to, you know, semi-regularly bring, uh, bring Jeremy back into the fold. Um, so we kind of get a bit of that, like, grown men watch that shit. Um, you know, vibe going on. So yeah, it's been yeah. fun, man. But I am I'm very pleased to hear that you are um so nostalgic for our previous <laughs> train wreck of a podcast. <laughs> yeah, man. Um so I guess we've got a, a match to talk about here. So um I watched this because I, I saw it shared in um, by, you know, that Vintage Puro account um, yeah. on Twitter? They always share so much rad shit. And they shared this, and it was it was weird because I think it was a match that may have been kind of like on my, on my radar in a vague sense. Like maybe I knew that it happened, but I never really like looked into it or, or watched it or anything. And I just watched this, like, you know, GIF highlight of the match that they post, and I was like, this looks fucking rad as shit. How have I never actually gotten around to watching this? Um, so the match for everyone listening, uh, Toshiaki Kawada versus fucking Don Fry, of all people, in All <laughs> Japan, uh, Budokan Hall, um, October 26, 2003. Um, but, yeah, I was like, this looks fucking amazing and then i uh i fired it up and watched it and it was like one of those things you know sometimes you you watch something in kind of gift form and it kind of doesn't quite live up right yeah i fucking thought this definitely was everything i was possibly hoping for like i said from the like big fucking manly blows big kicks like the sweet grappling at the start um and just the overall idea that this was like Don Fry's one and done in all Japan. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like he'd just come off of that fucking incredible um, Takayama match in Pride the year prior. Uh, I think he might have had a couple of losses after that. Um, yeah. Maybe did a little bit in New Japan again. I'm not quite sure on the timeline there, but came in basically to all Japan and have this one challenge for the Triple Crown and then head out. And I could see, like, anyone else, if they're doing that, they're just cashing that paycheck, you know? They're right. just, like, cashing it in, putting in, like, the least possible effort for this this match. But I thought this was, like, the exact opposite of that. He was, like, going, like, all out, so... um giving as well i thought to kawada too um but yeah man fucking loved it what what did you think yeah i was uh very very uh you know delighted that this was the match you picked for me um you know most of my um historical knowledge is gonna like you mentioned revolve more around like shoot style perezu and then like new japan stuff and i've watched my fair share of uh all japan obviously i actually 
to be quite frank, I think most of my All Japan viewing more so is like 1980s and 70s All Japan than it is than it is like 90s. Even though I I know that that's like the you know sort of glory period, right? But I mean, I agree Um, with you that 70s and 80s stuff is fucking incredible. Yeah, yeah, but um, you know, this match was just so interesting to me because it's a melding of different worlds. Like you've got you know Don Fry who is you know, not just an MMA legend, but like, you know, UFC tournament winner, UFC ultimate, ultimate champion. And then a guy who'd been, you know, wrestling extensively since like 96, 97, but spent most of that time in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Like you mentioned, he'd never been to All Japan. So the idea that he came over in 2003 is kind of crazy. Mm. Um, And he did have one other uh, All Japan match in 2013. Yeah, a bit later on, right? match. Yeah. But this was his only major main event. And this was, uh, to my understanding, it's the last uh, Budokan Hall anniversary show that they ever did. So it's a, it's a big-time match. And, you know, for Kawada, he's kind of in the middle of that period where their business is kind of going down because of the, the Noah exodus and... Uh, you know, they're kind of in that transitional period where the company's being kept afloat by him and Tenru and, you know, Muto and different guys from outside groups and companies coming over to kind of assist them. Mm. But, uh, you know, Kawada had won the Triple Crown title up to this point, but he'd always been snake bit by either, you know, short title reigns where he had to drop the belt to bigger stars or injuries that yeah. kind of plagued him. I think prior so this... to this, he had the, the knee injury and he had to vacate. Mm-hmm. And then they had the, the tournament to, to crown the, the new um, triple crown champion. Tenryu won that, right? Uh, I, I thought, I think... uh, at least I know that um, Kawada's current reign, like this reign where we're talking about, um, he won a tournament. Uh, where I think he got a, a big uh, victory over Otani in the finals, um, mm. I believe. And then so this becomes his, his first defense, I believe, of the Triple Crown after winning it back. Um, yeah. And then he would go on, you know, with this reign to, to, to set the actual record, to break Masawa's record of the, the Triple Crane reign. Um, and I think it still holds the record today, though it was met by um, Kento Miyahara. Uh, I think he he um, sort of got up to the same amount of defenses, but he couldn't break it, which I really did. Yeah. Well, he held it for over 500 days, so it's, it's a really, really legendary title reign, and like you mentioned, this is the first uh, defense, and... When I, I was trying to look up and see, like, how how did they even tap um, Don Fry to be the guy? And it looks like the connection through Muto was the reason that they had that connect to get him in for this big match. Right, because they were uh, part of that faction in um, New Japan between, like, Black New Japan and that Bat thing. Yeah, Bat yeah. something. Yeah, I was saying earlier that uh, Bat, I think that was Badass Translate Trading was the group's name. And, uh, you know, speaking of that Merc, uh, the Makai Club, you know, I, I know how you feel about Murakami, so. <laughs> Fucking God, man. Big fan <laughs> of Murakami. But, I mean, that brings to, like, an interesting thing to 
So what we're talking about, like you said, this sort of philosophical uh, meeting point of this match, right? Like the All Japan King's Road history meets like that, that like full on Enochism period. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and again, like a lot of those kind of people that are like, oh man, Enochism, that's like what almost killed New Japan, right? Before fucking Chado and Gato saved it. Um, but I mean, there's something that is rad about Enochism. I don't know. It's like, I don't know if it's like now is as much of a controversial take. It seems like there's a lot more people that dig that kind of like fusion that happened of, of shoot style and pro wrestling. What do you think? It depends on what circles you, you are, you know, kind of navigating in. Um, I mean, to me as a wrestling historian, kind of appreciating, you know, pre 1920s, historical (laughs) wrestling and shoot style and you know lancashire and all this stuff i i I like the idea of you know shoot style kind of hearkening back to what pro wrestling was before it became you know kind of more show business-esque so Mm. um i've never had a problem with it there's definitely i mean we could go on all night about anokiism and the issues and things that were bad and the things that were good but uh one thing that struck me about this match this has got to be the best Don Fry match I've ever seen. Um, Better than pretty much everything I saw of him in New Japan up to this point. And kind of reminded me of why I love shoot style, where, you know, you you can see, like, for instance, you watch a blood sport show and there's some matches where the guys are really great martial artists and they're, they're doing basically a rolling expo, but they don't know how to work an actual match. Hmm. And then you have sometimes where they'll have the wrong style guy in there and they're, they know how to do pro wrestling, but they don't know how to mix in the actual realism of it all. And it's beautiful when you have a guy like, for instance, John Moxley on those shows who is, I wouldn't say he's the greatest shooter in the world, but he's smart enough to know how to intertwine these things to make it all work together in the context of a pro wrestling match. Yeah. And that's sort of what Don Fry was doing here. Yeah, I mean, I guess a thing to consider with Don Fry as well, um, I actually was like a little bit blown away. I didn't know this personally, but he was trained up for professional wrestling by um, Mr. Perfect, Kurt Hennig, and um, Brad Brannigans. Mm. Um, so that sort of like classic like AWA um like Vern kind of like wrestling knowledge. I mean, and that that's the I've same. Never heard this. Same dudes that trained Brock, right? Yeah, I've never heard that. This is the first time I'm learning something on this show, for real. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. Um, But yeah, I mean, if you're trained by dudes that are that fucking good, and especially, like, Brad, like, that dude is such underrated, like, in general, from the glimpses that I've seen of him, his actual wrestling, but then also everything you hear about the guys that he's taught. Um, Yeah, I guess it's not that much of a surprise that, uh, that Don Fry was so good so fast um I'd, I'd say like in terms of your your proper like big name mixed martial artists to make that crossover i gotta think the guys that that i mean outside of you know your volk Hahn, um but like your dudes like uh, i mean between don fry or um bus rutten mm-hmm. um you know, both of those dudes, I thought, tremendous um, in terms of how fast they, they got it. And, yeah, you, you see that, like, wrestling IQ and that sort of ability to, to merge the, the working 
with the you know making it look as tight as possible in this match um and also like I definitely want to give the flowers to uh, Kawada in this because I feel like he does a really good job of that fusion too. Um, I guess going back to like he had some uh, some rad matches in the the nineties with a bunch of your your kind of big name shoot style dudes, um, some just fucking classic matches. Uh, so maybe it's that kind of like continuation of his experience there. But I just thought this worked together so well. Yeah, I um. Uh, speaking of the outside guys that were good, you know who I think was the best, but didn't necessarily stick around to to uh, achieve as much as he could. But Kevin Randleman's probably, in my opinion, the oh man, yeah, Kevin Randleman was so good when he came over. It's kind of kind of nuts, but um, you know the thing with so a little bit of his hustle stuff, and that dude looked like he just had so much untapped potential. Yeah, I was like so sad that he didn't do more. Yeah, um. As far as Kawada, though, you know, everybody has their favorites when it comes to the pillars. But uh, one thing that I think Kawada did better than either Mizawa or Kobashi is uh, work well with outsiders who took him outside of his comfort zone. I don't think that mm -hmm. as good as both of them were, I don't think that they excelled at that as much as Kawada did. He had to do a lot of that in this, you know, um, time frame of all Japan's history. And he did it really well. And yeah, they there's so much I love about this match. Like I love Don Fry coming down to the ring with uh, I don't know if you noticed he had Shudo gloves on, um, mm -hmm. which was pretty cool. Like that's just another little pro wrestling nod. But he brought an extra pair of gloves and tosses it at the beginning of the match to Kawada, and Kawada just fucking throws it over. <laughs> you know, he's like, "I'll break my fist if I want to." <laughs> I love that so much. And then, um, you know, the, the early stanzas of the match is really a story of Kawada working pro wrestling maneuvers, but also primarily kicking the hamstrings of Don Fry, trying to ground mm -hmm. him and kind of keep distance. Whereas Don Fry in the clinch dominates uh, Kawada with oh, punches knees. and knees and and headbutts. And it's 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 really vicious. The first 10 minutes of this uh match slash fight are pretty much as visceral as you're going to see from anything else from that period really yeah i absolutely love the the early goings of this um and i i really dig uh kawada's i mean i always love kawada's selling uh, that's one of mm -hmm. the all-time you know great kind of things it's so funny that you know people are like it's you know they're making out that he's like a no sell kind of guy but that you saw this that so well in this match where um don fry is like lighting him up with, with i mean through this part and then with some of those punches um and you see early on kawada's kind of like you know no selling them to a point and then he does that amazing just all-time great like kawada kind of like delayed bumble, like stumble delay, yeah I love it. Yeah, um, you know, so watching this for for your show, I wasn't just watching it through the eyes of a Perezu fan, but I was also trying to think of like the artistic side of things. And um, oh. I saw I saw where your where you took the still, and mm -hmm. um, actually, I watched I saw that before I watched the fight. The one thing with your artistic liberty, mm. 
Kawada's eyes look in your photo like they're completely swelled up. So I was like, oh shit, did he get like his <laughs> <laughs> But it wasn't it wasn't quite that way in the actual uh match, but I the no. point where you I mean there's there's a thing what I'll, I'll say on that. Um yeah. with certain guys, there's certain like distinctive features I find that you, you kind of need to focus in on almost like similar to like a caricature kind of deal. Right. That, that like to me uh, sort of gets across the the, the visual of a of a guy, mm-hmm. um, and and for me a big thing of of Kawada is he's all those those big old like saggy like um under under eye bags kind of thing where he right. looks like he hasn't slept for like a week right um <laughs> you know mixed with like you know obviously that just always looking like just apathetic and and uh, you know not not happy or excited in the slightest. Uh, but yeah, I think the the exaggeration of the um, looking like he's, he's you know got two swollen eyes uh, was was probably more uh, to do with trying to capture that. Sure. The um and the moment that you took was actually uh you know the result of one of those delayed sellings where mm. uh, Kawada gives a big boot to Don Fry. Don Fry hits the ropes, comes forward, hits him with a big right straight, and while Kawada's going down, kind of tries to tries to throw like a late Inziguri like simultaneously, and then they're both laid out, and then that and yeah. and then the one who sits up first is Kawada, like off of the Inziguri. Mm. And I was like, man, what a what a great like little spot to to capture, you know, the exhaustion. Because honestly, from that point on, it's almost all Kawada the rest of the the match. Uh, mm. you know, down the stretch, Don Fry really doesn't get a lot more offense. He kind of gets his ass kicked like the last four or five minutes of the match. But uh, yeah. there were definitely times where I was watching it and I was like, you know, if, if I was, and I do dabble, I don't, you know, broadcast it and I'm nowhere near as talented as you, but like I used to draw when I was younger and I was like, if I was going to draw, like what spot would I choose? You know, and there was one. Oh, this is interesting. Please <laughs> tell me. I love this kind of stuff. Well, you know, I'm a big fan of in the nineties, the especially with like Pancrase and the early UFCs where you'd see like the dueling leg locks. And there was one point where, oh, yeah. um, Don Fry tried to transition from an arm bar into a knee bar. And then he got caught into a toehold by Kawada and they didn't have the right angle, but if they just had the right mm. angle, the right angle, I feel like that would have been maybe like where you could see both of their faces. It might've been a really cool thing to capture. But what I loved about that spot is where Don Fry is selling so well and he's desperately trying to get to the ropes and he grabs the leg of the referee and he starts dragging himself. Oh, so good. (laughs) And I was like, if you had the right angle, that would be another optimum like spot to draw you know oh yeah there's a lot of those kind of moments where i'll um you know pause it and almost go like frame by frame to be like all right what do mm-hmm. we what do we got here to deal with and yeah it's like a lot of the time just sort of unfortunate where he's just like oh man i just so wish the camera got in there a little bit a little bit closer <laughs> or whatever so i mean there, there is a little bit where like i said you could kind of make can do a little bit of liberties kind of thing to, to mm-hmm. focus in on something. Um, but there is a point where I try to, you know, at least in terms of like, it's important to me that if people see this and then they watch the match that they can be like, Oh, that was the moment. 
you know, like you're saying. So I don't want to, I don't want to fuck with it or, or, you know, tweak it too much. Right. Um, but no, I, I dig that you, um, that, that particular moment stood out to you, man. Were there any others where you thought, oh, this could be a contender? Uh, I mean, down the, down the stretch when you have, um, you know, Kawada putting Don Fry in the, the stretch plum mm. and him basically, you know, getting choked out from that. Um, that could have been a, a potential, but you would have missed out on getting Don Fry's beautiful mustache at that point, you know? <laughs> and that is very important to me. Don Fry's glorious <laughs> mustache needed to, to be uh, captured here. Yeah, I, I actually thought the same thing, funnily enough. I was like watching the stretch plum. Well, there was another moment where I think um, Don, there was a, a really cool visual, but um, Don's... Uh, moustache was like had the the rope covering it or something mm. like that um but yeah it's quite funny the the little little details and and things like that when you're going through uh but yeah i mean getting back to the match like you you mentioned that on that finishing stretch it's just kind of like kawada eating don up um yeah which definitely happens to a degree there are uh, a few high points where i thought um i think Don got like some some comebacks and he maybe got a, a near fall or or two. I can't remember exactly what it was, but he definitely got something on that finishing stretch where it was kind of like a great kind of like finishing flurry. But then Kawada just was like, you know, got got back control of it again. I was gonna say, I honestly think he might have just been gassing out. To be honest, I don't think he was used to going. 20 minutes in a wrestling match like that. This was his longest match, um, at least singles match up to that point by far. I'm quite certain. I mean, like the Inoki one went, what, four minutes? <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't get me started on the, the Inoki uh, retirement. Oh my God. <laughs> not, not the best match that you'll see uh, Don Fry in, but I, uh, I did rewatch that in the lead up to this just to get a bit of a refresher. Um, still not a big fan of that match, but <laughs> less said about that, the better. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, that could be a thing for sure. Um, but I, uh, I actually was thinking about it and I, cause I, some, I read like the cage match kind of reviews for this kind of stuff too, and see other people's thoughts or like anyone that's going to comment on Reddit or whatever. And I did see like a few people being like, oh, it would have been better if it wasn't, you know, so one-sided, if it wasn't mm -hmm. just like Kawada kicking Don's ass. Um, but, I mean, I think early on, definitely, we, I, I wouldn't say it was like just a one-sided squash in any sense, you know, by Kawada. Sure. Um, I definitely think it was like to and fro. And then, yeah, obviously, as we go down the finishing stretch, it was more just like Don gets overwhelmed by Kawada. But I was actually quite um, fascinated by that, comparing it to kind of current wrestling. So it's such a different tempo, if you know what I mean. Right. Like, so much of the time, wrestling almost gets, like, trapped into, or, like, modern wrestling, into the same kind of tropes, the same kind of match structure, the same kind of, like... You know, go we go to the finishing sequence and it's just like big move, big move, near fall, blah, 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 you know, and then you finish on that real big, you know, total high. But, like, most of the time fights don't go like that. And I find it really interesting that playing with a bit of a different thing where it's like the story of this was almost like, yeah, um, 
both guys were uh, hard to finish. And then you had Don, like, you know, with the last kind of flurry, and then he just gets overwhelmed. And then it's kind of like a series of, of things from that point on getting into the um, the, the stretch plum, and then uh, it takes a while for that. And then he eventually gets it on the, the second time, I think, and, and finishes him off with it. But yeah. I just thought it was quite interesting and, and fascinating, like the different tempo from that perspective. And, and honestly, it kind of felt a bit refreshing. And I mean, you know what, to me, I still looked at it through the eyes of like, a, you know, trying to understand basic match structure. And I, I don't think it really even truly deviated that far from what you'd expect. Uh, obviously, stylistically, it did. But it, from a layout standpoint, I mean, Kawada controlled the early parts. He got the, the heat. The comeback and the shine and all that was Don Fry. And then down the stretch, you know, uh, he gets cut off and then, you know, kind of dominated. And that's kind of where they start going to their finish. And, you know, he gets some hope spots, but mm. they, they made Kawada look strong. Part of me was thinking it, the story down the stretch for me is, as and maybe this is headcanon, but it seemed like Kawada was having trouble putting Don Fry away. So Don was showing his resiliency. Yeah. But at the same time, the story might have needed to be, especially to establish Kawada as the true kingpin and ace of this company that's, you know, definitely having a, a tough time business wise to just establish Kawada as a badass. And what better way to do that than to have him literally, uh, you know, choke unconscious one of the greatest MMA fighters of all time? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, it was definitely yeah, I, I, the way I saw it, kind of like a story of like struggle and resilience and just manly shit. But <laughs> right, um, some of those some of those punches from Kawada. Oh man, I love it. It's so those big girl um like soup bone kind of punches. It almost reminds mm -hmm. me of like the necro butcher punches, <laughs> yeah, except uh, better, <laughs> less flailing. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit <laughs> but yeah i mean what you're saying business wise does make a lot of sense too because if you look at it, it this is the start you know early portion of what would go on to be a you know incredible run and and obviously they're getting don in for this one show um to you know obviously have like a great match but i think it's important to be making Kawada look as strong as possible. So I think that probably makes a lot of sense in hindsight when you're looking at it and thinking the reason why it did end up being such like a strong domination for Kawada in the end. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then, I mean, the crazy thing about it when we talk about worlds colliding is at the very tail end of the match, as soon as it's over, you got Hashimoto and the Zero One crew like storm in the ring, which I'm like, what, this happened? <laughs> <laughs> and then we went on to to get that um uh Hashimoto uh title challenge with the triple crown which I think I might need to rewatch that one. I remember watching it initially and I, I wasn't that um that gassed up about mm -hmm. it, but maybe with my current eyes I'll like it a bit better. But yeah, I I thought the match was great. I really enjoyed it and I I thought that the uh you know, the art that you did there to kind of just capture the exhaustion and the struggle that they had was, I think you picked the right moment for sure. And I thought it was a really, really well done, honestly. And I, I was like, kind of, you know, I was like the uh, Leonardo DiCaprio meme, the one where he's like, you know, pointing at the screen because he recognized it. I was like, that was me looking for that spot. 
<laughs> Amazing. Yeah, the, the once upon time in Hollywood one. Yep. <laughs> That's rad. <laughs> yeah, I um oh, thanks so much, man. I appreciate that. I um I'm really having a lot of fun with this kind of match of the week series thing. Um it's kind of a good good challenge, but also I think as I'm going on with it, it's making me try to be a bit more creative and try to capture different interesting kind of visuals um, of matches or, or ones that are really distinctive. So I think that's what I was kind of going for here. So I really appreciate couple that. couple last things before we go. Um, one thing I also wanted to point out is, you know, the old adage when it comes to King's Road versus Strong Style, you know, they always say that, like, Strong Style is offense first and, um, you know, King's Road was more defense first. And that might account for some of the idiosyncrasies when it comes to the way that like say some of the new japan versus uwfi matches played out versus the way kawada approached that sort of match with don fry and i i personally and i mean i might be a little bit of a traitor here but i kind of prefer the idea that kawada took everything that don fry could dish out at him gassed him out and then kept going and then tapped the motherfucker out, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think it um, is definitely quite true to that um, King's Road style as well in terms of the, the escalation that we saw and that kind of, like, build. Um, but, yeah, I it's, it's such an interesting thing, the idea of, like, the... I mean, you can talk all day about the um, you know, New Japan Strong Style mm-hmm. uh, versus uh, King's Road kind of different approach of, of in-ring and, and match structure and all that kind of stuff, your psychology. Um, but, yeah, I, I this is definitely my uh, preference to any of the other um, like Don Fry New Japan matches that you're saying. So, yeah, Did you to Kawada. Are you doing a uh, – the? intro that you did for last week's show for this episode i am i am indeed okay yeah i listened to last week's episode and i just wanted to say i thought that was a really great addition and kind of gave some uh good insight and you know obviously we're talking a lot about the match here as opposed to you know entirely about the art but i think that was a really good idea for you to incorporate that in the show and i think uh that's a good thing to keep going honestly Oh, cool. Thanks so much, man. Yeah, I'm definitely um, planning on, on keeping it going. Um, yeah, I, I agree. I think, um, you know, like I said last week, sometimes you just get talking all about the match and then I kind of like forget about the art side of it. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, I think almost like treating it a little bit like a kind of personal journal um, is just kind of interesting for people. Um, I've just uh, spoken about in the intro to, to this one sort of a massive... Um, expo event that i did over the weekend that was like my first ever one um so definitely some some interesting tidbits there uh if you want to re-listen but yeah man i really really cool uh being able to kind of like share this with people i guess as well because it's like i don't know this whole art thing and art career can be a fucking scary time so it's kind of good to be able to you know share it with people we take 1% of whatever you made at that expo, just so you know, so. <laughs> oh, of course, of course. <laughs> Everyone wants to, wants to dip their, their head in the bucket. That's all right. I get it. I get it. <laughs> yeah, man. No, thank you. Um, yeah, definitely continuing that on. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see where this goes. Um, planning on, on more of our 
artist interview series um, in the, the future. I've got a, a great one that I'm, I'm just kind of like uh, herding in a couple of really cool artists actually um, that I'm just talking with. So we'll have them on in the near future. Um, but then also I'm kind of looking at branching out a little bit to be doing some um, wrestler chats on the show. Hmm. So um, especially like workers who have a, a great eye for the art side and the creative side of um of of what we do in you know professional wrestling in a merchandising sense or whatever. So I think it's interesting and obviously I'm sort of talking about it from like an artist illustrator perspective, same with a lot of the artists that I'm talking to. I think there's an interesting side of it looking at from a, a worker perspective. Um and especially like these guys that um you know commission so many different really talented artists for different merch and things like that. Um, so yeah, that'll, that'll be something to look forward to too. Well, let's not forget in the annals of this show's history, when it all is said and done, I was the first worker that ever came on as a guest. You are, you are, man. Sure. <laughs> oh, I, I mean, I mean, technically, hang on. I don't want to, uh, step on any toes here, but we, we did have, a, a masked wrestling fish, turned hardened criminal work australian worker on the show the other week so i mean oh, you're, you're the first oh. uh, one from north america okay yeah the first north america <laughs> 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 yeah oh, man, that's definitely funny. marked down in the history books <laughs> thanks yeah, so much definitely. man i uh, i really enjoyed this and i'd um i'd love to have you back uh sometime in the near future um you know there's no way that I can avoid, you know, it's coming at some point in this match of the week series. There's got to be some fucking UWF, UWF <laughs> reborn, UWFI, Pancras, rings, you know, it's happening I, at some point. And like, who better? Have, have you, do you follow the, the, uh, Katugi road guys from Quebrada? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They're they're shit sick. They they they're they have an awesome project going that uh anyone who's listening, if you're interested in shoot style, um look up Katugi Road. Those guys are pretty incredible. But uh yeah, man, I mean anytime you want to do something shoot style based, if you wanna jump into some crazy Memphis, uh, you know, nineteen eighties lucha, you know, no holds barred, or you know, I guess we could always talk about New Japan. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, hey, if I'm uh talk who else would be better to to discuss um a rad Murakami match than uh sure. yourself. Sure. Well, I guess uh is this the part where I should plug my show? <laughs> yeah, yeah, please. Plug plug so, the things, my friend. So, uh anybody that's listening, uh many of you um may already know me uh from my podcast cuz it's on this network, but if you are a listener and you're not familiar, um come check us out. It's Keeping It Strong Style. We're a weekly episodic New Japan long-form podcast. We usually go about 3 hours, cover everything that's going on in the world of New Japan that week, and um it is you know, to my knowledge, the longest running weekly episodic New Japan podcast on the internet today. So, um, you know, we have a we have a blast, and uh, you know, come check us out. It's a really good show, if I do say so myself. I would uh, back that up myself, a hundred percent. Big fan of the <laughs> show, man. Awesome. Well, um, I 
I I have one last thing to ask okay. you. I'm very sure. intrigued uh, as a as a New Japan uh, podcaster. There was some news that came out yesterday uh, that kind of kind of broke my heart a little bit in the, the New Japan sphere. You may know what I'm about to talk about here, but there was a, a belt that we're talking about reintroducing. <laughs> I think a lot of us were hoping that they were finally bringing back the, the Intercontinental Championship that, you know, Nakamura sure. did great things as matches with the Bushi. Uh, so much beautiful history with that belt. And then it just kind of got merged together to be that New Japan World Championship and, and kind of disappeared. And a lot of us were thinking, oh, they're bringing it back. This would make a lot of sense. And then, no, instead we get the new the IWGP Global Championship. I just quickly <laughs> wanted to see your thoughts on this situation. Well, Chris, if you'd been listening to Keeping It Strong Style, you would, you would know that they'd already confirmed it was definitely never going to be the IC title. They had said that from the, the, <laughs> the outset. But uh, I definitely understand why people thought that. I, I thought maybe that's where they were headed. And uh, once they clarified they were not reintroducing the IC title, um, I kind of started wondering what it could possibly be. And my... My thoughts was it could be anything other than a world title, but they're naming it global. I mean, the globe is a map of the world. Is the world and the globe not the same thing? Like, what are we doing here? <laughs> I, I, was, I was actually kind of hoping that it would be like something similar to like the OPBF, like the, the Oceanic Pacific Boxing Federation, because they, they're talking about trying to market and move more into like Oceania and South Asia and uh, Central Asia and mm -hmm. kind of, you know, have more shows over there. So I was like, maybe it's something more regionally specific to that part of the world, but apparently it's global, which, you know, to me that just screams like in a couple of years, they're going to have to merge the global and the world title because they're both world titles. And it, it, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a farce. It, it sucks that they're doing that. Honestly, hopefully, hopefully it's a white it strap. Like so it's so a, messy. It, it bro, so much in New Japan over the last few years has been so messy. Like no, no lie whatsoever. Yeah, it's a, it's unfortunate. And yeah, exactly what you're saying. It's like just, it's just a world title called something else. Um, and if, if anything, to me, it would have made more sense for what they're going for to call it intercontinental. If you meant to, you know, but. I mean, if that's not what they want to do, fine. I, I would have been perfectly happy if they said it was the Japanese heavyweight championship or something, you know, something that they, I don't know, mm. just anything other than this would have been better. But, you know, best case scenario, they'll probably put it on a white strap. So it will be a spiritual successor to the IC belt. Maybe it'll facilitate that same similar role. <laughs> well, hopefully we get that. Um, but yeah, I mean, on the other hand, like, the national title, I thought, what Noah has going, far better in terms of having an identity and a differentiation, you know? I agree, except for all the times that they've gone to 60-minute draws with the, that and the GHC title. <laughs> I mean, I do want to say uh, that I bloody loved those 60-minute draws, so let's, let's put that out there. But let's get over to the, the my own plug skis. Uh, so 
obviously big thank you to the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Um, uh, you can check that out at socialsuplex.com. In addition to Wrestling Up, there's a whole bunch of other rad podcasts on there, including that of this gentleman, Keeping It Strong Style, the premiere uh, New Japan podcast in the industry, I would say. Uh, we also have One Nation Radio, uh, All Things Elite, a variety of other stuff. So get on there, have a little look. Uh, follow those guys on, on Twitter as well, at Social Suplex. Um, you can also, while you're there, if you're not already, please be following Chris Things. Um, all the updates of the show on there. Also, Chris Things on Instagram, the best place to keep up with all of my art skis, uh, all of my uh, stuff I got going on, and last but not least, christhings.com.au, uh, the best place for you to be able to buy my shit. Um, but also just take a look. I, I do write ups for all the artwork, so if there's one that you like and you you know just wanted to know a little bit of the backstory of it, even do that. But in addition to the original artworks, uh, prints, they got all sorts of other stuff, calendars mugs, uh, some shirt skis, and uh, otherwise, I will have some fresh new t-shirt designs on there in the very near future. Stay tuned uh, for that. Um, but yeah, I think it's been a pretty, pretty fun episode. Um, a little, little housekeeping note for y'all. Last week, I said uh, stay tuned for our next Wrestling Art Curator episode. Uh, things have been a little bit crazy, to be honest, with the, the expo that we spoke about earlier and um, some other exciting commission stuff that I've got going on. Uh, so I'm still uh, trying to, to wrangle up our, um, our, our next guest uh, for the, the Wrestling Art Curator side of things. Uh, very few actually very exciting wrestling artists out there that I am uh, going to be just so excited to chat with so I can't wait to bring those to you stay tuned for that uh, as as well as, as I mentioned maybe maybe some wrestler interviews we'll see how that goes but no thank you so much for uh, tuning in thanks for your time uh, I always appreciate it so much. And for making this the premier wrestling art podcast in the industry. <laughs> maybe maybe the only one, but no one needs to know. <laughs> All right. Thanks a bunch, guys. And I will see you next week. Bye. I do the hammerlock.